Awakened Reality Podcast, JFK Assassination. Now, do we say uh, back from beer? Back from beer? No, back to beer. Oh. This is the right expression. Oh, back to beer. Back to beer. Beer got. Moving forward. <laughs> is there an official beer? Oh, yes, yes. I was just going to say. Corona Light. The best beer here. Well, if Neil were here, we'd be drinking Miller Light. <sighs> what do you like better, Miller Light or Corona Light? You like that better? All day. All day long. Oh, we gotta do this again. Back to beer. Oh, sorry, back to beer. Back to beer. Okay. Where were we anyway? I think we were. So we were about to talk a little bit about, um, a little more about JFK the person, uh-huh. kind of given his history. Yes. Um, and I thought it might be interesting to talk a little bit about his health issues to kind of round out kind of who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so JFK's health struggles uh, played an extremely, in my view, significant role in shaping his personality. Um, it's not an exaggeration to say that he um, struggled through extreme pain pretty much his entire life. Um, and uh, given the extent of his health issues, really when you learn all about them, it's amazing that he was able to do the things that he did. I mean, he had just debilitating back pain. Well, when he did was he? I think so, yes. I think Did that's pretty Steve? well documented. The reason I'm saying that, okay, folks, okay. is because... Bill Bill is a stickler for evidence. Yeah, I'm going to read this to you. Uh, Richard Reeves, uh, whoever that guy was, I forget who that was, but I'm reading from uh, research I took about cortisone shots that Kennedy had. Okay, yeah. Um, and he took a lot of... A lot of cortisone and shots. And he was quoted as saying, I don't care if it's uh, uh, horse piss... It works. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you an idea. During the campaign in 1960, he began seeing Dr. Max Jake, Jacobson, the New York physician who had made a reputation for treating celebrities with pet pills what? or amphetamines that helped combat depression and fatigue. Um, and he was called Dr. Feelgood, evidently. <laughs> uh, he administered back injections of painkillers and amphetamines that, also, that allowed Kennedy to stay off cortisone, or off crutches. Yeah. Which he believed essential to protect the, the picture of a robust, good health. Yeah. Now, he had this pain before he became president. Mm-hmm. You would think that would be important to the Kennedys to make him look that way beforehand. And I've also learned that a lot or every single president mm-hmm. has taken some sort of drugs during their whole time to keep them on the correct uh, time in different countries they may visit. Oh, like uppers and downers to kind of keep them... There you go, to keep their sleep cycles correct uh-huh. so that they can be awake and don't not look really, really tired. See, it's, and that's like... Because if I were president, you know, like I wouldn't... Because I don't use any like uppers or downers or anything like that. Bro... Like I would be determined not to because I, I feel like mentally I'm at my best when I'm not on... Yeah. That's just me. I mean, maybe well, other people. you know, I, I mean, but I, I, maybe I bet you Kennedy might have been like that too. But I got to tell you, man, when you're on a, a five-week run, mm-hmm. 
yeah. all over the place. Well, that's true. It'd be really hard, wouldn't it? I don't think I'd be able to do it, to be quite honest with you. So not just that, but with Kennedy, I think that they shot him up all the time. I mean, and... and oh, yeah, nonstop. You know, it, it says, uh, this guy, Howard Snyder, uh, he was a privy to FBI and Secret Service information, this guy, evidently. Mm-hmm. He, he tells, he says that uh, JFK is prescribed a shot of cortisone every morning yeah. to keep him in good... Operating condition. Sounds like a machine. Yeah. Obviously, this morning, if this is a particular time, he was, was given the two. That uh, was the day of his inauguration. Yep. Yeah, he was given two on that day because of the unusual rigors he must endure. And the brow sweating is the result of the extra dose. I guess he had a lot of this going on. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, you know, and... and one time, I guess, the bag of medicine was lost in the, in the White House? Well, that was actually... No, it was during the campaign for president. Oh, well, was it? See, um, there you go. He yeah. had this... Because they were concerned about his reputation and being viewed as... Mm-hmm. They wanted him to be viewed as healthy um, because they thought that was important politically. And there were rumors about his health. And his bag of medicines... Um, or of medicine was lost during the campaign and it was like minor panic or major oh, yeah. panic they were like if, if this gets found and people figure out what it is it could undermine his, mm-hmm. his candidacy well, of course it would have imagine if that if that happened today mm-hmm. you know it, it, well I guess you get into the whole problem of you know why can't a person just be a person yeah that's true why you do they all have to be like like Trump says I'm in I'm the healthiest yeah. president that there's ever been and you know, why? Is he really? I, so who knows? He could be. He could, maybe he's not. Well, yeah, I, mean, know, I don't know whether he's dead. Or all this stuff. But the thing is, you're right. Why can't they just be people? Why can't he just walk around? I mean, look at who was the. Um, well, if, I mean, I think if somebody's a little bit older, there is because I mean, you had like Reagan, who had like oh, Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah, and, and Kennedy stuff. was young. Yeah, youngest president yeah. ever. You don't want to see him. So I, I guess that would put a question in people's head yeah. about you know, since all of these high lofty goals he had, you know, all yeah. of a sudden he can't walk around. Yeah. So I get it. No, that's true. I mean, but, I but some of our more successful presidents had serious health issues. So yep, there you go. You know, uh, as we've kind of touched on, um, it was extremely important um, for Kennedy to hide his weaknesses. Um, and th- this was even before he became president, and and even when he, before he was even a politician, it was kind of part of the Kennedy ethos to kind of always portray. Health and vigor. Soldier through. Yes, yeah, soldier through. You do it better than I do. Say that again. Soldier through. There we go. Like that. Um, and uh, and so he became kind of Kennedy became a master at hiding his um, hiding his illnesses. Um, so the disease which um, nearly led to his death on multiple occasions. They didn't realize he had it at the time, but their people are pretty certain yeah. now that he had it was Addison's disease. It's a nearly always fatal autoimmune disorder which affects the adrenal glands. Uh, here's a fun fact. Um, that's actually why he always had a tan, regardless of what Oh, because of that one illness. Yep. Yeah, this illness. It, uh, yep. it, it causes people in, with fair, a fair complexion to have a tan, even if they haven't been in the yeah. sun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many, you know, um, to be quite honest, and, and not to sound any kind of racial in any way, shape, or form, or generalize, mm-hmm. but I will say that, you know, I, I haven't seen a, a you know, a, 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 what is it, is it Irish? Is, is Kennedy Irish? Or, yeah. Okay, an Irish person mm-hmm. with a tan. Yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest, I mean, you usually you think about the whole red-headed, you know, very pale complexion type you know, folks, and maybe generalizing, but I guess overall it's like I wouldn't expect to see him with a tan. 
You know, I always just thought it was because he liked to spend time on his boat. He was a he big... He was always in it, yeah. He was so always on his boat. So I'm like, oh, he away. probably just had a tan, but no, sure. it was because he was sick. It's kind of ironic where, you know, one of the ways where he was able to um, to appear like an extremely healthy individual sure. was actually an indication of his illness. Yeah. So this was a disease which caused, you know, all sorts of issues. It, you know, when he would get sick, he would get very sick. All, all through his whole life, he would just, you know, he would spend, you know, even as a kid, he spent, you know months in hospitals and I mean just it was he was essentially in and out of um, health care for his entire life um, we already mentioned he suffered from chronic and severe back pain um, for most of his life he had multiple spinal surgeries um, which even now those are hard a lot of times they do more damage than good yep. but imagine getting them back in the yep. 40s and 50s and pretty much every single it sounds like every time he had a surgery it did more harm than good and yep. and essentially like his back would get to the point where he couldn't bear it anymore they then he'd be like okay I'm gonna have a surgery and then it would get worse it was really pr pretty terrible really he was he spent a lot of his time on crutches not in public he would essentially if he would be on crutches and then he'd have to go give a speech and he'd throw the crutches aside and he would just you know grin and bear his way through horrendous pain to you know walk to the point I've seen uh, I've seen many pictures of JFK with crutches yeah you know but you don't see anybody else around <laughs> but his, his his entourage of people yeah. you know so well you know and the news knew the, the, the press knew about it the yeah, press they, knew yeah, about his back they knew I, mean, about it. I remember I, I saw a video uh, before one of his speeches where one of the one of the press folks asked him you know How, how's your back mm -hmm. and he goes uh, he's and I'm paraphrasing here but uh, he said something like um uh, well, I, uh, I guess that really depends on uh, the climate of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, outside weather and uh, the press, <laughs> you know, or whatever, or, yeah. or like how, how, how things are in the world, you know, whatever, you know. He, he always had a way of, of making people feel comfortable. Yeah, like they you know. even if they were kind of digging into his health thing, and the, yeah. like they were maybe asking a probing question about his back, and then he just makes them just laugh. And you know, and, and isn't that, but, but isn't, I mean, maybe he was taught that, or I, yeah. I really believe it was innate. Yeah. I, I so. really do. Yeah. But but people always say, and I've learned this over time, that if you want to deflect a question, mm -hmm. make a joke. Because mm -hmm. oh, people yeah. are going to forget. Well, that's true. They're just going to forget about it. It's just, it just so happened. They laughed. They said, what a charming guy. It went right <laughs> about their business. Yeah. Whether it was men or not, it worked. So, amen. You know, go well, get it. Good advice. So, other things that he had issues with. This is quite the list. He suffered from high fevers. Chlamydia. Chlamydia. It doesn't have that listed here, but he probably did. He did. Um, I got, I'll tell you after. Okay. Well, look forward to that. Um... <laughs> Stomach issues, colon issues, prostate issues, abscesses, high cholesterol, severe diarrhea on a regular basis, abdominal discomfort, weight loss, urinary tract infections, sleeplessness. Dude. And these aren't, this isn't like, these aren't things that, oh, he at one time or other had these. These are thing, all things that would come and go for him, like that he regularly suffered from. So he was just a, a mess essentially. Jeez. Um, but that being said, he, um, you know, he managed to function, you know, at a very high level. And so it just kind of shows 
you know, that, that yeah. he was able to be so tough and, you know, what it says about his character. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. So we mentioned how he was less than open about his medical history, <clears throat> um, even when he was president. And that actually continued even after his, his death. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, and, and this will bring, this is a nice segue. On uh, the 3rd of April, or uh, sorry, yeah, uh, April 14th, 1961, uh, John F. Kennedy summoned Dr. William P. Herbst, Jr., a prominent Washington neurologist, to the White House for advice and treatment mm -hmm. of burning and occasional mucus while urinating. Oh. The president had suffered a similar flare-up. So the mucus is coming out of the... Of chlamydia, yep. Three mm. weeks earlier, according to Herb's notes, and responded rapidly to penicillin. That's good. Six days after JFK's death, his doctor telephoned and asked Herbst to turn over Kennedy's medical file to her for safekeeping. Herbst said his notes, sent his notes instead to Bobby Kennedy, <laughs> and Robert Kennedy decided that these medical records ought to be regarded as privileged communication. Yeah, and weren't going to be part of the, any kind of archives, so they they never got it. I mean, it was important, but mm -hmm. that nobody ever got his medical records. So, is that does that come into play later on with the autopsies, or is that a separate issue? Well, we'll find out. I mean, it has to have something to do with it. I mean, the bottom, you know, when you, we get into more about what happened to him, mm -hmm. you know, I think you'll find, you know, um, I think this was more uh, for. Uh, for Mrs. Kennedy's sake, because it was mm -hmm. right after oh, I see. <laughs> chlamydia thing. I mean, you know, you know, you know. Oh, by the way, the best president in the world, you know, is dead, mm -hmm. and your husband. But he also gave you chlamydia. Have a nice day. Mm -hmm. uh, not a good look. Well, I mentioned before that his poor health and his siblings' deaths caused death to seem very near for him. Yes. So yep. he thought about death a lot from yep. an early age. And then Chuck Spaulding said, "This is a quote from Chuck Spaulding. I'm not sure who that is, but." Um, in any case, I guess it was an advisor. He said, um, Jack always heard the footsteps. Death was there. It had taken Joe and Kick, that was his sister, Kathleen. his nick yeah. sister's nickname, and it was waiting for him. So whenever he was in a situation, he tried to burn bright. He tried to wring as much out of things as he could. After a while, he didn't have to try. He had something nobody else did. It was just a heightened sense of being there's no other way to describe it. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about how I really believe that a lot of his, a lot of what he said in his speeches mm -hmm. came from the right spot and not from something that was written down. I kind of think a lot of that, or a really good portion of that, again, this mm -hmm. is just conjecture from what I've seen, that came, he might have changed some things mm -hmm. and put what he really felt in there. Yeah. And I think that's what really did it for people, you know, who, who, who listened to all of his speeches. Let's talk a little bit about... Um, because we have to. It's JFK. Let's talk about his womanizing. Oh, boy. His his time out with the ladies and everything. So, um, he kind of got this. This is, you know, what people would say if they were writing his biography. They would say that he got it from his father. His father was a relentless womanizer. Uh, made no effort to hide the fact from his wife and kids. That's what's more interesting to me than the fact that he, you know, was chasing ladies around. It's that he... He literally made no effort at all. It was just kind of an unknown thing. That's really sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really sad. And, and, you know, we should... We don't take one side or the other here. Mm -hmm. it, back then, mm -hmm. maybe, that was the normal for that family. Mm -hmm. um, and if he got that from his family, then I feel bad. Mm -hmm. And I wish that he would have grown up to respect women more, mm -hmm. to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe he thought that was the way to be a man. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but whatever. 
Yeah, well, you know, not to get too much into the salacious yeah. aspects of things, but it's interesting where the women who are with Kennedy, <laughs> when they describe the encounters, like, it's not necessarily what you would think of, of like, somebody who's, like, a ladies' man. They essentially describe a guy who was there to get the job done. Which is weird. You would think like, oh, this is a guy who, and he, and, and it's not like you know he would say like, oh, if I if I don't get have a lay within three days, I get a headache, you know. So it's like you he know, actually said that. Yeah, he said that. That's a quote from him. Um, That's a documented quote. Okay, well, you know, no, I'm just asking. Well, it's somebody said, you know, it's something where people said that's what he would say. Okay, so, so again, I mean, I wasn't there when he said it. Can you uh, imagine though if that's true? Because <laughs> guys, guys over forty. Who are married? JFK said. That's what he said. Imagine the headache we'd have. Anyway, go. Go. So I mean, anyway. So I'm not saying that like he it wasn't something that he enjoyed or or felt like was important to him. Yeah. But that being said, it, it, it there is a certain. Oh, element. so you're telling me he did it so he wouldn't have headaches, Steve? Well, I I mean I don't know I don't know why he did it. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that. Um, you know, he was compelled to do it, and it wasn't just like I think there was a kind of he wanted to put as many notches on the wall as he possibly could. Well, let's liken this to what his presidency was referred to after he died, mm-hmm. Camelot. You know what happened in Camelot mm-hmm. back in the day. If you know anything about your history, there's a lot of raping and pillaging going on. That's true. Not That's true. saying we agree with. It. But what I'm saying is the king got whoever he wanted. Are you talking about Richard Harris? <laughs> uh, but I guess that the yeah, the kids were on the on the dad's side. Uh, seemed yeah. to think that it was just fine the way he acted and what he did. So in '58, when his brother Ted got married, John F. JFK was caught on tape saying, telling him that quote that being married didn't really mean that you had to be faithful to your wife. This is advice he's giving to his brother, like the day of his wedding. Was caught on tape, folks. On tape. So that was one is caught pretty on well tape. Um, now that's kind of. I'm sorry, but that's kind of fucked up. I mean, I, and if I, I maybe we ought to edit that out if uh, we did. I said the f word, but that's kind of messed up. Can you imagine saying that to, like your brother gets married? Yeah. And then like immediately like what you're doing is you're like, by the way. Yeah. Just so you know. It was. It's. It's kind of like you know. Uh, my, well. I was with someone who was smoking marijuana in a car mm-hmm. 20 years ago on his birthday. Now, I wasn't smoking because I was in the service. Yeah. He got pulled over by these, these monster, crazy you know, guys with gold badges who thought that our car was involved in a robbery. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they pulled us over, dragged us out of the car. I mean, wow, smelled dope and decided to freak the heck out. So they pulled my brother one way, they pulled me the other way, and I looked at my brother George as they were driving me by him, and I said, uh-huh. George, you don't have to say shit. Bad move, right? Jack said that to him. That was just the wrong thing to say. Yeah. It just didn't have direct consequences yet. <laughs> yeah, and we're being, right? being real about JFK. Yeah, sure, we're, there we're you kind go. Of, we're he, sharing the positive yeah. aspects of his personality. Yeah, and that's kind of, if you ask me. Yeah. Even though you're not, I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of dickish for him to do that. Yeah, I would say. Whether so. he was cognizant of it or not, we know, haven't even gotten into the worst. Of yeah, it. and and on we go. Um, some of his affairs, the most famous, obviously, is Marilyn Monroe. 
Um, and, and again, alleged. Most people think that that probably happened, and not just with him, but also with his brother. Um, I mean, he didn't have sex with his brother. Probably is not. Is what you're saying. I mean, he would get on a tear. Not sometimes. that there's anything wrong with that. No. <laughs> I don't. Think I mean, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think wait, um, we're so worried about being politically correct. I don't think that Seinfeld <laughs> quote quite was extended to no. to siblings. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. I think maybe there Jeez. is something wrong with that. Oh man, that's just my. Well, opinion. at least for now. For now, I don't know. What, I mean, I don't know. I, I, again, but it, there you go. It's like, what is wrong with it? If somebody, that's what they. I don't know. Whatever. We're kind of getting a far field here. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. We're, we're, we're going to get onto that at some point, like the, what happened in her apartment the evening of her death. And oh, who was there. you know, it, guys and gals and, 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 and everyone else in the middle, if you like what you see now, you're going to get it even more and, and ten times better. If you don't like it now, don't worry. It gets better. Yeah. It gets better. <laughs> But he didn't want to curtail it, though, right? He didn't want to stop. He didn't give a no, shit. No, no. I mean, what's interesting about it is that he he um, was almost reckless in the way he went about it. <laughs> like, he made no attempt to hide it. You know, like you say, his father didn't make any attempt to hide it in the kitchen yeah. with his you know, kids and the, the mother. Um, JFK made no attempt to hide it to anybody, to the press, to the... Um, I mean, I shouldn't say made... It's not like he went out and said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping with my two secretaries which he did um, mm-hmm. but that and an intern and an intern mm-hmm. yeah and we'll talk about on her it. first day okay why don't you tell what happened for the intern no 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 go ahead the... it was a 19 year old intern first day summer internship uh huh and, and if you look her up online I, I her name will come to me it's but, uh let me see do I have her name uh, Mimi Alford yes Alford and it, it, if you look up a picture honestly she looks like she's 12 that kind of that kind of weirded me out a little bit, mm-hmm. but I mean it is politics. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> she was asked by one of Kennedy's aides to go swimming. She didn't even know there was a pool. Mm-hmm. She went down and went swimming. Saw some other girls swimming there too. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little time later, Kennedy came down and they were you know whatever canoodling happened there, but. He wound up taking her. This is her account now because I saw a video of her. I don't think she was canoodling him with him. Not with in, the him in the pool. No, it was like, after. There was no, like... What? Sense. No, there was no sense from her about what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she knew a little. She probably did. Yeah. And well, if you, if you watch... But the thing is this. The big important thing is she went with him on his ask... Yeah. <laughs> to go and sh- uh, I'd like to show you around a uh, White House, yeah, whatever. So she showed him. He showed him around the White House, and evidently he he de- he deflowered her <clears throat> on the same bed in the master bedroom. Oh, I hate saying that because I like the guy so much, but that wasn't really cool. That's not the worst he did to her, you know. Whoa, what? Well, I told I've told you about this. This is her account. At least. Oh boy. Um, she said that. Um, oh. Later on, mm-hmm. JFK, because they they were together for like a year or two, mm-hmm. or at least you know. No, I heard it went on all the way um, right to before his death. Yeah, right to before his yep. death. And at one point, they were out in the pool, and JFK um, mm. essentially asked her to perform oral sex on his special assistant Dave Powers, <laughs> and I guess 
she felt compelled to do it. Not the same guy that goes, yeah, baby, yeah. Not that Powers. <laughs> Not Austin that, Powers. That's a different Powers. Anyway, go ahead. And I think she I mean, was... might have said, yeah, baby, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was she, sexist. I mean, anyway. She resented JFK for this fact. She felt kind of pressured into it. Oh, gee. Um, yeah, well, I mean... How was, could she feel that way? It's just, I mean, it's the again, it's the power dynamic. She's a 19-year-old intern. He's you know? a 40... How old was he? 44, 45-year-old president of the United States. I guess there's a little bit of a power discrepancy there. Um, and and later on, um, supposedly, he asked her to do the same for his brother, Ted, I think. And she refused then. <laughs> um, well, you know, did she, did she make up her mind, like, after he... Lopped it out, or did she? <laughs> or did she make up her mind because she didn't like his face? That's no. Be I think she. I think she. This is what she said. I think she resented what had happened with his special assistant. I think she was kind of prepared for. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, that, uh, yep. that coming yep. up again. Yeah, it happens once. Blame on you. Yeah, happens kinda, twice. Blame on me. Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she had kind of was a little more worldly and prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very, just, very wholesome woman. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to blame. No, I mean, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, people are nineteen, and they're in that. I mean, how many people? How many nineteen-year-old girls have been in the situation where you're with the president? He's a good-looking guy, as we keep mentioning. Off the record. Off the record and on the record. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm only guessing that it's probably rampant. <laughs> anyway, moving forward. <laughs> so, so that's the gist. We've explained yeah. he was a womanizer. He slept with all sorts of people. He wasn't necessarily super faithful to his wife. And we hate um, saying this, folks. We really do. We really do. Because here's why, mm-hmm. right? Because now we know that anybody who's been following us since that, since the first mm-hmm. this first video has been following us since, mm-hmm. heard this and went, just like Trump, Boop! and turned it off. Mm. Or, I think we're trying to compare him to Trump. No, nope. well, I don't know. Or worse than Trump. Mm-hmm. No. People more more accepting or less accepting. It's kind of hard to say. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Kennedy's leadership style because I, I found this interesting as well. Um, so, on the one hand, he surrounded himself with really the best and most accomplished minds as he could, at least you know according to his opinion. He, he cared more about ability than experience. Not that he didn't value experience, but he really felt like he wanted the smartest guys in the room and that they then would be able to... If you had the, the mix or of... Or gals. Or gals. Well, no, not really. He women. Didn't have any, he didn't have any women in the room, believe me. Um, I mean, he was... I don't think he was looking for women to help in the administration. We're trying to be fair about... Yeah, probably was, not then, anyway. Um, but... Uh, I, I think he really wanted a mix of experience and the smartest people he could find. And so he really surrounded himself with a, a strong kind of group of, of advisors. Um, but at the same time, he, he also governed very much from the top down. Like, he wanted to know everything mm-hmm. and, and hear every opinion, which is why he, you know, gathered those people around him. But then once he had heard what everybody had to say and, and kind of had the facts, then he largely kind of trusted his own counsel. So um, that was kind of his, his method. Um, the other thing which is interesting about him is that um, even though he worked very closely with all these people, in general, a lot of them kind of felt that personally he was very kind of aloof from them. Um, he, was, he was kind of seen as being, um, you know, just kind of separate. 
uh, Sorensen, we talked about Ted Sorensen yeah. a lot. Um, he said, a quote from him is that, um, he's talking about JFK, he and I continue to be close, he's describing a certain time period, <clears throat> in a peculiar, peculiarly impersonal way. And JFK himself said, so much depends on my actions that I am seeing fewer people simplifying my life, organizing it so that I am not always on the edge of irritability. And one last quote from Ted Sorensen, he said, because I, I thought this was a really kind of enlightening quote in terms of understanding Kennedy. He said, Kennedy was a multifaceted individual. By that I don't mean he was all thanks to all men. I simply mean that he had a way of engaging the other person, of building bridges to him, of keeping his interest and sympathy without committing himself to the other's view until he had weighed all the options. A true politician. Well, yeah, in some respects. I mean, I don't maybe an that's not almost like an ideal politician. Yeah, agreed. Not necessarily. Nothing wrong with what I mean. I, I agree. That's kind of what you got to do because mm -hmm. you got to seem impartial to everybody. Yeah, it's like he gave everybody a fair hearing. Yep. Um, and it sounds like it was even beyond giving them a fair hearing. It's mm. almost like when he would, when he would interact with people, he would, um, you know, take their viewpoint. He would try to see the world through their eyes as long as they were having that conversation, so that he could kind of understand their their viewpoint as, as fully as possible. It really wasn't his take though on civil rights at first, was it? No. Well. What's interesting about Kennedy on civil rights is he's really known as a, um, like he's kind of viewed <clears throat> now as, as a leader on of civil rights. But and he kind of grew into that a little bit. I mean, not that he, mm -hmm. I mean, didn't, well, a little bit, didn't I believe a it was lot. important I yeah. mean, early. I just don't think it, it, it was actually, it was known that it wasn't a real high priority mm -hmm. during his first few months, well, you know. Years. Of his presidency. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, but he did. I guess the most important thing is it's not how you get there; it's how you it's that you get there. Yeah, he he said that he had um, little exposure to, you know, people of different races and and different backgrounds, and he admitted that this caused him not really to think about those issues prior to becoming president. Mm -hmm. and, but certainly, yeah. as a congressman or or senator, he didn't show much interest yep. in um, the issue of race. Yeah. And as he began running for president, he kind of learned more about it when he kind of was visiting more parts of the country. But that being said, it was still, when he became president, a, a pretty low priority. This is, a, again, a quote from, from Kennedy, according to one of his advisors. He said, now in five minutes, tick off the ten things a president ought to do to clean up this goddamn civil rights mess. He wanted it out of his hair, is what he wanted. And so that really caused a lot of the, the civil rights activists, because we're talking early 60s. This is, you know, yeah, huge. like yeah. King was getting, in, you know, um, uh, MLK. MLK was getting, um, you know, to be more prominent. And I mean, it wasn't just him. There were lots of civil rights activists and, and it was a, becoming a big issue. And their opinion during most of, of Kennedy's presidency was that he they didn't believe that he had the moral commitment. Yeah. Um, that was necessary for their cause. Well, it's like kind of like show me the money. Yeah. Maybe. But it, he didn't really agree too much with with the method by which MLK kind of did most a lot of his. Uh, did he? No, he he wanted him to be more patient. Yeah. He, not to put words into Kennedy's mouth, but I think he thought that if 
the civil rights movement kind of got people riled up that it was going to make people upset and make it harder to achieve change. Mm. So he just had a different view on how it could occur pragmatically. Because, you know, he when he was killed, it was, you know, leading into an election. And he, he knew that he couldn't get the, a, a major civil rights um, bill passed, you know, before he was reelected. Mm. But he told people that... Um, that it had to happen like you know he had kind of moved on that issue and and he was determined once he was reelected and he was pretty sure he would be reelected that he was going to push through a comprehensive civil rights bill and so i really think he had evolved on that yeah. do you think maybe uh, like kennedy was trying to be he, he kennedy thought he was being more pragmatic yeah i and think kennedy King thought that he had to shake right up. right because because well i mean and and and, and in, look understand right mm -hmm. look at the plight you know, uh, mm -hmm. of of the colored man, and mm -hmm. it's it, and the whole culture, they they knew that's the only way mm -hmm. that they could do it. But Kennedy also knew that he was a president and he could make it happen. Mm -hmm. So when you know you can make it happen, but you don't want people to go crazy. We well, didn't know he could make it happen. Well, I mean, he, you have to that get was his thing. You have to yeah. get it, be able to push it. But that was part of his yeah. his thing, right? That uh, was his big. You know, he didn't do a lot of things, but that was one mm -hmm. of the things that he really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And and I think he he knew he probably could do it because it's right, mm -hmm. but and I think you know he wanted them to believe him. But I know that they didn't really believe that that's what he really thought. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why you know both sides were thinking different. Who knows? Yeah. You know, but but you no, know, that's a big here. This is what you're missing. Oh. Um. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so similarly, yeah. Kennedy evolved on economics. So it's a kind of a similar story. He, you know, we already mentioned he grew up the son of an extremely wealthy businessman, and for much of his time as a politician, uh, and and back back then, like when you think about, like now people tend to think about Republicans as being big pro business, and they think about Democrats being more pro worker rights, um, you know, stuff like that. Yep. It wasn't quite as 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 um, split back then. So he, he was a Democrat, but he was a politician who was squarely on the side of kind of wealthy businessmen. Sure. They're the people that he understood. Mm -hmm. um, he had kind of expressed scorn for politicians like Adlai Stevenson, who, were, who he considered Stevenson to be kind of a fringe candidate. And, and Stevenson really considered himself kind of like a, uh, somebody who was interested in union rights, worker rights, etc. Um, and so... But Kennedy really kind of, um, again, shifted a little bit on this. In um, He had read a book called The Affluent Society, which I guess is still fairly influential. It was, it was written in, in 1958 by an author mm -hmm. called John Kenneth Galbraith. And, um, and that book kind of o o awakened Kennedy to the, uh, Kennedy to the <clears throat> fact that the country had a, a kind of permanent class of impoverished citizens. And so he kind of felt like, you know, we have these, um, you know, 40 to 60 million Americans who are living below the poverty line. You know, like we need to, to have something different about the way our society is structured. That, could, that could stir things up. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is really a, a big, uh, you know, <laughs> a big thing. And so, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, like in October, of 63, you know, just a month before he died, he had started making plans for a two or three day trip to some of the key poverty stricken areas to focus the spotlight and arouse, this is a quote from him, 
arouse the American conscience on this problem from which we are so often shielded. And well, then, like, I mean, you can't have the rich get less rich. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you? <laughs> it's Kennedy's thoughts on the nuclear war, on nuclear war. Uh-huh. Because you can't really understand Kennedy as a president without understanding or without knowing that for him, nuclear war was the biggest thing. Like he, you know, he cared about civil rights. He cared about the economy. He cared about this. He cared about that. But for him. None of it mattered if we had a nuclear war. He saw his primary duty was to keep the United States out of a nuclear war. It's not that he, you know, was, you know, necessarily in favor of just rolling over for everybody mm-hmm. from a, because he also thought that that could lead to nuclear war. It was, it was just that, that he felt that if a nuclear war happens, then what's the point? He saw that as being a dead end. Uh, I wonder if there's anything he knew ahead of time. In, in in what way? In reference to nuclear weapons and and what they can do, mm. meaning like where it will go if we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, of course that goes into a, a whole new. <laughs> oh, I see. What you you mean. know, um, I mean you're talking about technology and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, just I mean maybe. And where it came from. Well, you know, because Eisenhower, his very last speech, and you can look it up. Just aside. Yeah, that's a good thing to listen you know, to. You talked about the military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. He he was the um, <clears throat> he was the last, or I think Kennedy, or actually no, Eisenhower was the last president mm-hmm. to really know anything specifically about the the uh, ET issue, extraterrestrial issue, mm-hmm. um, and you only get to that point if you have technology just driven from it. But the bottom line is, maybe he knew. Mm-hmm. And maybe he imparted something to Kennedy where Kennedy was like, this has got to be more important than anything else. Who knows? Just yeah. a question for later. You know, a, a little tier of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Ding! Yeah, you know, yeah. To kind of go that way. But. Well, it's always, you know, interesting, like, what, you know, what do the presidents know? You know, when they, when they get sure. briefed, what kind of stuff? And, I mean, I saw an interview recently with Obama when he was on, like, uh, one of those late night kind of mm-hmm. talk shows. And, and, and they were like, oh, you know, what... What do you learn? You know, what crazy stuff did you get to learn? <laughs> yeah. And he's he said, oh, it's you know, honestly, he's like, it's nothing all that exciting. Yeah, you know, but lie. I mean, but the thing is, if it was something really exciting, he wouldn't be of able to say. Yeah. So it's kind of like don't that, even. It's a silly question to ask because I mean, let's say you become president, right? Yeah. And then you like walk in, they're like, okay, this is what we need to show you, and they bring you into a room, and there's like seven <laughs> aliens sitting there. You know, in a, in a spaceship hovering above the, you know, it's like, I mean, you can't, no, you totally. can't then go and be like, you know, okay, now yeah. I'm gonna go on a talk show and talk about it. So. Yeah, you know, my and and this is funny, and it adds to this too. My mother, bless her soul, died this past uh, Christmas. Hey, but she said that her mom, she she was there for War of the Worlds, the Orson Welles radio oh. broadcast of War of the Worlds. Back in the thirties yeah. or forties or whatever it was, and I think thirties. She 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 said that you know most folks didn't listen to the beginning of the broadcast that said this is only a broadcast. <laughs> they, they go into it. Have you ever listened to it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, it's it's whacked. It's whacked. What's and, amazing to me is that people. Not, and we're getting off on a. I'm sorry, oh, I, I interrupted you. No. What what got me on that was that it. Uh, if you listen to it now, stuff happens too fast. Oh yeah, like it doesn't seem believable. Yeah, because and they're doing this now, and they're doing that now, and this is happening now. Oh, and I know it's like they invade, and then they take over a city, 
and then it's like they're they're getting yeah. defeated, and it all takes place in like twenty five minutes. Well, but but think but think about it though. Now it was yeah. back then. Yeah. People have never heard of this before, yeah. so yeah. they don't. It, it's like how do you fathom how something happens if you've mm-hmm. never ever heard or seen of it before? Yeah, so yeah. this this is what they got, and and I get it. my mom is telling me that I mean everybody around the area was freaking out, running out of their houses, screaming and yelling. So you were was she living in upstate New York at the time? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And she said that people had heart attacks. People died because of this. Goodness gracious. Now. Down the line, folks, we're giving you a little bit of information, but the bottom line is, what's the best way to to agreeably give away your rights as a human? And, 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 and give away your rights according to the Constitution of the United States. What's the best way? What's the best way to make somebody agreeably just say, sure, just, yeah, take away all my rights? Um... I don't give them a television. If they're scared. Oh, if they're scared. Okay. Now, now, mind you, if if you if 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 there isn't a boogeyman, you got nothing to be afraid of. Uh. But if you have a boogeyman, or if you are oh, afraid, afraid of something, of then you are going to look for someone to take care of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can distract with things that matter. Like sure people always can. think, like, oh, this is a distraction, and you think it automatically means it's something not important. Not necessarily. Yeah. You can distract with something that's important. You oh, can yeah. take something important and move it back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> you're still distracting. It doesn't mean it's not important, but you're still distracting. And it's all about triggers. In a world of triggers now, even more than ever, ever yeah. it's easy. Do set up any social experiment you want to, mm-hmm. right? And, and you will find that the first thing you say that's against somebody else's belief nowadays, uh-huh. it's over. Yeah, no, it's true. I wonder if people are always like that. There's, you know what's hard? Mm-hmm. And, and again, we'll get into more about why I do what I do. A little taste is like when you, when you, when, when you dig mm-hmm. and you find what you believe with actual empirical evidence and documents and, and, and things, and you do the work. Now, for me, it's taken me, I would mm-hmm. say, three years. Mm-hmm. It took me three years to figure out Wow, you know some of the things I believed, you know, just aren't that way. Mm-hmm. And, and when that happens for me, when it happened for me, it was like, like the five stages of death. Mm. I mean, I, I, it was like my whole belief system was changed, not because somebody told me it needed to be, mm-hmm. but because I found it. Mm-hmm. And when I did, it was like. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, I went through anger. I went through bargaining with myself. I went through, wait, no, this can't be true. I went through, mm-hmm. you know, uh, depression. I went through all of this. And like you had a little bit more of a dramatic shift than anything I've experienced. It was, it was like, and, and, and the thing that Emotionally, really... Emotionally. Well, yeah, and the thing that got me was it's like, because I was in the service, because I believed so patriotically about a certain narrative, about a certain narrative, and um, and when I learned more about it and educated myself, it was on my own. I didn't need anybody yelling at me saying mm-hmm. you're wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because if somebody tried to tell me that when I was in the service, I'd have said, <laughs> "Yeah, you're crazy." Mm-hmm. But it's what I did on my own, and so 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 I look back on it. And I'm over it now. I think 
I'm not happy with what I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, my whole is. my whole life is like now, what if? Mm -hmm. Because no matter what anybody tells me, it's like, what if they're right? Mm -hmm. You know, and imagine living your life like however, whenever you decide that this is the way you're going to do it. Living your whole life going, wow, what if I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. I, and, and I know Steve is the same way, will never think that anyone, if we ever have the ability to have people call in or if we ever have the ability to do that and, and, and to, to, to say that you're crazy for yeah. your beliefs and what you believe. Why? Because we understand that society has put upon everyone an idea of what is correct and what isn't. Everybody is the same. Everybody is perfect. It's how you have been affected by what has been presented to you as you have grown. And how can we blame anybody for that, mm -hmm. right? We can't. I mean, my mom had some really weird ideas of how to bring kids up. But you know what? It came, back, it came about by how she was brought up. Mm -hmm. and, and, and although she meant well, which I think anybody mm -hmm. means well, yeah. right? I, I mean, anybody. But look at somebody like a Hitler. You know, did he think he was doing the right thing? He very well may have thought he was. You know, you talked to, I, I believe. I mean, right? don't get me wrong. I want to be no. very clear. Yeah. Hitler, what he did was horribly evil yeah. Yeah. and absolutely yeah. despicable. You, 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 you don't get much more evil than Hitler. But I'm just saying yeah. Yeah. that, like, if you if you get, in, and so maybe there has to be a certain something twisted, obviously, to make somebody do something like that. But I do think Hitler thought, you know, he thought he was doing what was best for humankind. Like how does that how does that enter somebody's mind? It's I, hard to understand, right? And I think the only way that can come into a clean mind is mm -hmm. by society you live in, the parents you grow up in, mm -hmm. and the whole culture around the family. Mm -hmm. We don't hate. Hate isn't part of our philosophy. And I'll say, no matter how despicable I may initially find a person's views, um, like. It's not that I necessarily will ever come to hold those views, obviously. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to, you know, join the Aryan Brotherhood. <laughs> um, but I do think that it's important to still love the individual, to hope for the best for the individual. Um, because if we don't, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What if, right? It goes back to what I always, part of my whole mm -hmm. thought process is what if. If, if we don't do that, What's it gonna do? We're gonna have division. Mm -hmm. We're gonna have race wars. We're gonna have hate. We will never ever get out of it. And it's almost like you don't know what it's like if you're it, to be out of a horrible abusive relationship until you're out of a horrible abusive relationship, right? If you ever say anything negative about anyone else, try this one little exercise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and try to remember it. Say I say something like, God, Steve, you're an asshole. At the end of that phrase, mm -hmm. what you think in your head is just like me. <laughs> Why? Because you saying that means you are. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you okay. hear these people, uh, you know, having these you know, radio shows or podcasts, and they're like, oh, well, you know, if you're listening to us, then you're the, you know, you're the ones who, you know, because you're listening to me, 
it means that you actually are on the right side of everything. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. well, you know what? Yeah. It's like if you're listening to us, that's great. Thank if you. If you're not, it's, you know, we still wish the best for you. And, and yeah. you, you probably have a lot of truths that you know. We're, yeah. This is just And please share them with us. I mean, this is just right. a journey that we're on, <laughs> yeah. you know, there where you if you yeah. want to come along with us, that's great. Yep. Amen. Well, um, well my beer is gone. Mine so will I, be gone. So I think, uh, I think we're going to have to um, close this one off now. we <laughs>